Today we're going to read from the New Testament and then uh, the Gospel reading. The first reading we have comes from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. Listen now for the word of the Lord. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power? God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Friends, this is the word of the Lord for which we say, thanks be to God. Our gospel reading for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. Listen again for God's word to all of us today. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food? or thirsty, and gave you something to drink? And what, when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. 
For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not care for you? Then he will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment with the righteous into eternal life. Please join your hearts with mine as we go to God in prayer. Lord, we gather here in this space you have gathered us in. We open our hearts and our minds, our bodies and our spirits to your word for us today. Help all those small seeds that you plant in us. Nurture them in this time. Help them to flourish as we meditate on your word in this space and then go out into the world to care for the least of these. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I don't know about you, but in my family of origin, around the Thanksgiving table, there is a tacit code that we are not to bring up the following subjects, religion and politics. If you're good Presbyterians, you know what I mean. And yet, this Sunday after Thanksgiving, after we've all gathered around the Thanksgiving table and we've been on our best behavior, hopefully, maybe not, but hopefully, we find that Jesus did not get the memo. We gather here and we proclaim Christ the King, as it's traditionally known, this is Christ the King Sunday, or if you're more forward-thinking and, and more politically correct, the reign of Christ. And here, as we celebrate Jesus as the monarch of our faith, we see him going into territory that's not so comfortable. Of all of the topics on God's green earth, today we're talking about Judgment Day. Now, Judgment Day is interesting because it's not necessarily a fun topic, but as awful as it sounds, it also has captured the hearts and minds of Hollywood. So we have everything from apocalyptic shows and movies to comedies, movies like Defending Your Life or The Good Place uh, is a, a show that you can find streaming all of these depictions of what it's going to be like when we depart from this life on earth and we join the spirits above and ultimately, potentially, are judged based on the body of our work here on earth. Now, Jesus picks up this subject at the end of his ministry on earth this is his final sermon in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, 
And just to give you some context, he has been explaining to those who are asking what will happen upon his return. The story that he tells is meant to catch their attention and it catches ours as well, how could it not? It's about the end of time. This is not a topic for idle chit chat. Jesus doesn't seem to do small talk all that well. What Jesus predicts is serious business. There will be wars and storms and crying and suffering. Actually, to imagine this kind of situation, we don't really have to stretch our imaginations that much after living through years of pandemic and now post-pandemic recovery. We have been inundated with wars and storms and crying and suffering, and we're kind of tired of it, aren't we? There's something distinct to this story, though. Jesus tells us that there will be a moment of dividing the sheep from the goats. And after dividing these groups into two groups, he tells one group they are invited to receive his kingdom, those on the right and those on the left will go to their punishment. And the big question here is how are they judged? At the end, it boils down to this. The ones who are welcomed into Jesus' kingdom don't say the right things necessarily. It's how they live their lives. They fed the hungry. They clothed the naked. They welcomed the stranger. They visited the sick. Now, if you were here for Reformation Sunday the last time that I preached, just a month ago, we revisited the story of, uh, the, really, the genesis of the Protestant church on Reformation Day 500 or so years ago. And you may ask, but Caroline, didn't you in that sermon emphasize that's only by our faith that we can be saved? It's faith, not works. That's what we proclaim. We're saved by grace, not by deeds, remember? And I would say, yes, indeed. You are listening right. That faith is really at the heart of our faith. The grace that we receive from God, no one can take away. But Jesus adds some nuance. So for the frozen chosen out there, Jesus does say to us in this passage, it's time to thaw out because our belief does not cancel our action. It drives it. When we have that faith from God, when we have received grace, we can't help but give that gift to others who we encounter in our way. We can't help when we see someone who's hungry not to give them something to eat. For those who have been forgiven, for those who have accepted that love from God, for those who have really, truly stepped into their belovedness, they can't help but give some drink to someone who is thirsty. We can't help not visit the sick when we see someone who's suffering. For the stranger and the foreigner, we have to have empathy. And when we do these things, when we act and when we respond, 
It's not just doing things for those who are in need. We actually, in those moments when our humanity connects with another's humanity, we also encounter the divine. Today, we hear about Jesus, and we hear about God's reign. And yes, in this story on earth, is not in those terms. It's not with a crown. It's not ruling from on high. When we encounter God in this world, we encounter a God in fragility. We encounter a God in humility. We encounter a God who is vulnerable in less than desirable circumstances. We encounter God with us over and over again, and not in the people who have it all together, not in the people who we might envy. We encounter God in messy people in a messy world. Jesus says, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. When I was part of a study team for the denomination uh, focused on understanding the migration crisis coming out of Central America, we made a couple of trips, and you uh, might remember me sharing a, a different story from my time on that study team. We visited and we spoke with all the stakeholders, religious leaders, nonprofit leaders, government agencies, activists, church members, and migrants themselves. In our first trip, we went to Honduras, which you might know has one of the highest homicide rates in the entire world. And we had some very powerful encounters. And we did some things that I didn't actually expect we would. Uh, one morning we got up and the group was told to get into the bus and we were headed to the airport. But we weren't about to take a trip. We got into the bus, uh, we were driven out to the tarmac, and we were told to leave our bags behind and to enter a building that was a probably maybe even smaller than this sanctuary right here. We were greeted by 10 people, and uh, the most prominent was a four-foot-tall Brazilian nun, uh, Joanna, who welcomed us joyfully and spoke about her work in the order of the Scalabrinians. Some of you might have heard of it. Uh, she was a Scalabrinian nun from Brazil, and she was devoting her entire life to ministry to migrants. So that would be ministry to strangers. Right there on the tarmac, Joanna spoke of that work of welcoming people, sometimes back home to Honduras, but sometimes they were being welcomed into Honduras, a country that they may not have even known, and then being directed how to make it back to their home country, to their hometown or city, that they did not know uh, how to get to. She and her team devoted themselves to welcoming between 100 and 200 migrants per day. So if you can think about that, it was 
you know, a couple of planes coming in today full of migrants who are being deported from the U.S.-Mexico border, and their fate, their focus was just helping those migrants in that moment meet their very basic needs. Now, uh, after she spent some time with our group, she allowed us to stay and to be part of welcoming that plane load of people who was arriving just a couple minutes later. They were people who obviously were being shipped in on, on planes. Many of them were not arriving in the city that they were from. And I remember as they shuffled in, as they entered the building, some headed straight to the bathroom to wash up, and others came in collapsing on the floor in need of medical attention or experiencing dehydration. For some time, that group got settled. The, this small team, 10 people, deployed and helped this group of migrants get oriented to get um, all their basic needs met, to get fed, to get clothed, to get welcomed, to get oriented. And all of this for people who they probably would never see again. After our visit concluded with Joanna and her team and the migrants, our team, somewhat overwhelmed by the whole experience, exited the building. And as we left, it was impossible to miss that Bible verse that was etched over the doorway. For I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. This mandate from Matthew 25 really boils down to hospitality, not interrogating the worth of someone to receive that care, not looking at the root cause of why they're experiencing this need. And it means a lot more than just passing the mashed potatoes at the dinner table. Hospitality translated literally means the love of stranger. And the mandate includes the ones who have been excluded as well as the ones you don't know yet. Hospitality doesn't come easily. It's not natural. It takes practice. It involves embracing uncertainty. Just ask anyone who's prepared a meal at a, a food kitchen, a soup kitchen, and then sat down and actually shared a meal with the person who they're serving. Just ask someone who's ever visited another in the hospital and had difficulty figuring out what the right thing is to say or to do. Just ask someone who has sat at the Thanksgiving table right next to that relative who lost his filters decades ago. I'd like to also expand the conversation a little bit here. Most likely, all of you have welcomed, and I have experienced that in the short time that we've been getting to know each other. My goodness, I've seen you all in action at the Progressive Dinner and at Coffee Hour, and I've heard of your work with Mesh, and I know of your planning for the mission trip to Kenya. This congregation knows how to welcome. 
There are so many opportunities and you all respond so aptly to the need in the community. But I'd also like to venture and say, if you'll permit me, that each one of you here in this space has also had a need for hospitality. And that's a lot less comfortable of a place to be in. Doctors are the worst patients, and I would say chaplains and pastors as well, worst patients. But being in that place of vulnerability, of brokenness, it's also our key strength. It is the source of our empathy. When you need care, it's such a vulnerable position to be in. And in these moments, we realize that we really never had the control that we've always wanted. All that matters when we're in that position, in that powerless, helpless position, is love. The famous Catholic priest Henry Nouwen, who lived in intentional community with developmentally disabled residents, wrote a lot about life and faith and hospitality. And he talked about hospitality as being on one end of the spectrum, and the other end of the spectrum is hostility. We as people are constantly bombarded with two ends of that spectrum. We will face hostility. We may even be the perpetrators of hostility. But in response to the world, you can also choose hospitality. And he says this in our response to the world. In the midst of a turbulent, often chaotic life, we are called to reach out with courageous honesty to our innermost self. It starts with N and relentless care to our fellow human beings with increasing prayer to our God. Hospitality is not something that we can just do. It requires our own inner work. It requires our connection to the almighty and the all vulnerable before we can attend to the needs of others. So the question here, the takeaway as you go out from this place is, where do you need to show a little bit of hospitality? What does feeding and clothing and welcoming and visiting mean today? Perhaps it means reaching out to a stranger in need. It also could be looking for the least of these even within this congregation. Maybe it starts at the Thanksgiving table. It might sound like this. I was your cranky uncle, and you listened to me. I was a child who was misbehaving, and you were patient with me. I was sick and got a new and terrible diagnosis, and you brought over a warm meal for me. In showing kindness to the least of these, a cranky uncle a rebellious child, a sick congregant, a stranger in need. When love becomes the order of the day, that's when we unexpectedly encounter Jesus. So PCUM 
Jesus tells us to feed and to welcome and to visit and to clothe and to take care of the vulnerable and the broken amongst us, those who come into our paths wherever we encounter them. Not in order to work your way into heaven, but because when we choose welcome, we are living into a divine vision for this world where hospitality defeats hostility where love defeats hate, where life defeats death. Jesus' reign isn't that far off after all. How are you part of it? In the name of the one who was and is and is to come. Amen.